The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. than any star personality in the modern entertainment world. Yet, here is an Elvis Presley you've never seen before. Vince Everett, dynamically portrayed by Elvis Presley, was a tough blackboard jungle kid who became even tougher under the influence of his jailhouse cellmate. A terrific performance by Mickey Shaughnessy. I'm an animal in a jungle, and I got a motto. Do unto others as they would do unto you, only do it first. Do it first. That's right. Jailhouse Rock is the astounding success story of this rebel with a voice that rocked the world. I guess it's just because you was so square. Baby, I don't care. Jailhouse Rock is also the love story of this rebel. How dare you think such cheap tactics would work with me? Any tactics, honey? It's just a beast in me. The fires of violence still raged in Vince as he fought his way to fame and fortune in the exciting world of popular music. Don't leave me now. Going through a party in the county jail. And then came Hollywood. Oh, Vince, let's try it again. Vince! How do you like our movie star, Peggy? He has adapted very quickly. Well, there's not much oxygen up where he is, and the man gets lightheaded. Tramping on me is one thing, Sonny. Hurting a little girl like Peggy is another. Just don't you go get no ideas, huh? There comes a time when you gotta take a hand in things, and that time is now. And don't push me, huh? I'm gonna beat hell out of you. Don't try it. You're talking crazy, man. You know you got it coming, son. I said don't try. guys before we get started on today's episode um i had reached out to jackie from the boone county distillery in jill and she agreed to come on and do a little interview um so i'm going to throw this at the beginning of the episode before we dive into the normal uh episode as we usually cover it so without further ado here's kyle and i's interview with jackie all right guys uh welcome back to tragedy of cinema we have a very special guest with us right now i thought i'd throw on this episode Luckily, she got back to our messages before I edited it and put it together. But we are joined by Jackie from the Boone County Jail and Distillery, where we just hosted our live, live, show, hosted yeah. live show. Yeah. So, Jackie, welcome to the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jackie, we invited you on here. We wanted you to let the people know a little bit about um, what you guys do there, the history of the place and everything. And by the way, you were a fantastic host. You and all your little uh, minions. Uh, they were all pretty cool. <laughs> So yes, ahead, tell us a little bit about the history of the Boone County Jail and, and what you guys are doing there now. Awesome. Okay. So uh, 
the Boone County Jail is located in Lebanon, Indiana. It's actually the second jail to be in that location on the square. Um, it was originally uh, built in the early 30s, and it closed in the 90s. Um, it has quite a few inmates. We don't have anybody real famous that came through there, but we did have some notorious things happen there, which was kind of fun. Um, nowadays, the owners, uh, which would be the Stoller family, they took a lot of time and renovated um, this building. It took them a couple of years. And um, from the care that they took in preserving the history of that building to giving it its own kind of flair today, uh, it is now a distillery, which will actually be opening that side up to the public uh, sometime later on the fall this year, which is awesome. super exciting. Yeah, we're we're so excited. It hasn't been open to the public in several years. So as a matter of fact, uh, your podcast was the very first time in over three years we, we have that many people in. And we were just overjoyed because it's such a cool building. Um, so we uh, we've built a bar in the old jail cells and uh, everyone will actually be able to come and eat and drink in the cells themselves, which is a lot of fun and uh, quote unquote get locked in. <laughs> um and while you're there, you get to try everything that we make actually in the basement of that jail. Uh, the old distillery is uh, everything being made there from bourbon to moonshine, gin, you name it. We we do it a little bit of everything in there. It's a lot of fun. Pretty tasty stuff. I've known firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, do, do you still, uh, will you still offer tours to people that want to go on tours uh, during this? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We love the history of this building. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the first level of the jail itself uh, is going to be kind of just more of the bar fun area where you can eat and drink in the cells, whereas to the upper level of the jail is a little bit more open, and it was more considered for general population, but it was also long-term offenders. So there are some individual cells up there as well, uh, but that'll be more for kind of entertaining, some family, some events and things like that. But we do have an isolation cell up in that area as well. Uh, and we have an area where people can put on an inmate costume and get their mug shot. So it's kind of fun. Um, that isolation cell is intense. It's the only area in the entire building that I don't hang out in very much. It's, uh, it's very small. It's intentionally made too small to be in comfortably. Uh, there is not a toilet. There's a hole in the floor. <laughs> so yeah. it was not a fun place to be. <laughs> um, and also uh, kind of a fun fact, we preserved as much of the original artwork that was family friendly. Some some of it may be a little bit uh, PG-13, but uh, anything that is in black frames is original artwork from the inmates. Um, some of it did get covered up, but for the most part, they kept as much as they possibly could. So when you're in the jail, look around. Anything framed is original. Really yeah, that, cool. was, that was really cool. And I kept noticing this one guy that kind of looked like a, I don't know, like a sheriff or somebody who always had the beard. And there's several pictures of him in there. Um, and I, I asked you if you knew who that was. You're like, I have no clue. Um, and but also, um, what was the other one? The uh, uh, the guy that drew the bad Bart Simpson. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes. And there's a there's a picture of a grave with with him, uh, which you were talking about yeah. something in '92, I think. Yes, uh, we actually do have a few documented cases of a couple of inmates that had passed away in the jail, and that is a monument to one of them. Um, we had some pretty crazy stories of some inmates that happened in there. Uh, one of which I actually got to tell uh, in the beginning. And if you want, I can tell that story. Whatever uh, you want. Yeah, yeah you, you want. Awesome. Okay, so uh, the upper level of the jail um, actually had um, a essentially a cage where uh, the inmates were housed and then a catwalk around the jail itself where the guards could kind of walk around, make sure everything was good. And there's sliding doors uh, that are actually the same setup that Alcatraz uses. Um, it's the same mechanism and uh, the same bar system that is very puzzle-like to, to try. I, I, I spent a long time reading that diagram trying to figure it out, too. <laughs> I know. He was going to – he's wanting to touch it. He's like, can you say no? He's like, I can't walk by going to 
if I do this and crank this, I'm like, Kyle, just don't touch okay, anything. I didn't, I didn't, but I definitely like if I felt like I had a good idea by the end of it, I would be like, if I just do this once. <laughs> I'm really glad you did it because Sean Solar is the only one that knew how to do that, and he was in Florida, so you'd you'd been there, you locked in there, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been like, you know, we'll we'll just feed you a little bread and water in the meantime. <laughs> I can close the door. You got, you got plenty of crackers to give to you. Kyle. I can take apart the control, and I can almost. <laughs> that, it's fine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no crackers. Um, so fun fact that that upstairs uh, perimeter, the um, there was a very new guard that uh, decided that he was going to take it upon himself to collect some trash from the inmate, and these doors were always meant to close behind them before they opened another door and to save time he opened the door to the catwalk and opened the door to the uh inner cage and this inmate rushed him and proceeded to kind of beat the guard up to try and escape and the guard made enough of a commotion that it upset a hitman that was asleep in the room and the hitman uh woke up proceeded to beat the ever-living tar out of the uh, sleeping inmate. inmate or the, uh, yeah, the inmate that was trying to escape there and then went back to bed. <laughs> so, um, you know, the very, very fortunate jailer got himself back in and got everybody locked away and there was no escapes that night. Uh, but one very, you know, lucky jailer, <laughs> a little wounded pride, but I think we're, he was okay. <laughs> right. Now that... um when we went on the tour, that catwalk that's back there, was is that the catwalk you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Did it extend further or something? Or was it like a, an open floor or anything? Or did it have more windows or something? Uh, so uh, there is a door that actually opens up. And uh, it's on the first level and on the second level. So this catwalk would actually extend. And it was where the pipes for the heat and the water and also the light bulbs that would be inside for the inner parts of the uh, cells, because mm -hmm. you couldn't let those the uh, inmates actually get the light bulbs. But this way, they would have lights inside their cells. That was all contained within this this catwalk. That's also the catwalk door that, from time to time, we actually hear slam, and it's several pounds. Uh, it, it takes quite a bit of force and weight to to move those so uh it's kind of funny when we're down in the distillery we hear that and uh i'm the only one with keys in the state of indiana and the owners live in florida so <laughs> if i'm not there and they're over in florida i'm like no nah, we're just gonna work down no, here listen, today i did, <laughs> I did shut the door i did shut the door behind kyle in there he kind of freaked out um i think somebody was with me i shut it and i was like look this is like the scene in uh the sixth sense where he goes up to that thing and i locked him in there i was like well five seconds is long enough but i opened it up he's like i you know i know nope, no <laughs> no i'm done yeah yeah the catwalk was a lot more disappointing simply because the height manner of just seeing down the other floor down there that's what kind of threw me off the solitary confinement that's just foreboding and i got obsessed with that one a little bit but the catwalk <laughs> was like i don't want to be here at all nope not going to <laughs> just left um there's something about the shape of the the uh, isolation room it it kind of domes and yeah. i don't know what it is i just i don't like being in there it's the whole thing is compressing i got obsessed with that exact feeling though that's for me there's the other <laughs> end you guys spend more time in here this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah very strange so, so when you guys were re, re uh What's the mm -hmm. word? I'm restoring yeah. uh, what yeah. you did. Uh, you found some several cool things from the original gel that you have on display there. If you want to talk about that for a minute. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, as you enter in the um, part of the old sheriff's residency, uh, when you first come through the opening, um, we have that area set up and you'll be able to purchase um, items for sale in that area. Come and sit and wait for a table. Uh, but on display is everything that we found during restoration. So from the 60s, when some of this Cold War era stuff was going on, there are tins of uh, survival crackers and uh, water and scraps of fabric from inmates' clothing. Uh, there's a shank that the stolers actually found in a sink when they tore a sink out, um, which is hysterical because one of the former guards uh, had actually seen that when we showed him around to the building uh, not too long ago, actually. And the first thing he said is, oh, God, wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> he was very scared when he saw that. Uh, 
Um, you know, so it, it's uh, it's just incredible so much of this survived, you know, target practice and little notes and things. And uh, yeah, there's there's uh, framed notes that had been passed. And it's just an incredible piece of history that you don't get to see that much of these days. So uh, definitely gives you a different insight if you've never been to jail. So yeah. right. kind of fun. And also there is a tunnel uh, down mm-hmm. in the basement that you said lead over that well used to lead over to the courthouse. And I know you have a yeah. pretty interesting story about that too. Yes. So this tunnel uh, it was originally made just to connect the pipes from the uh, boiler room to the courthouse. And the tunnel is about three feet by three feet. It's not really made to stand up in unless you were Tracy from, you know, Hillbilly Moore. <laughs> it should, yeah. it should be just <laughs> I think she's about the only one that could do it. Um, but uh, in the 70s, there was a motorcycle gang that was rather notorious, and they had captured one of these higher-ups. And there were rumors abound that they were going to break this guy out. And they didn't care how, they didn't care why they were going to get this guy out. And for the safety of not only the inmate, but for the guards, they decided they were going to use the tunnel to get him to the courthouse. So they had to, quote unquote, walk this man from courthouse, from the jail um, and back. They, I do know it was successful. It's the only documented case that they actually use that tunnel for those purposes. But if you come down and see the distillery, it is barred off. It is um, now caved in in the center of our buildings and same on the courthouse's side. But it is definitely disturbing to think how far that would be, how uncomfortable that would be. And uh, yeah. if anyone else actually ever did that, we don't know. So right. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we had talked about, uh, you know, you hear the door slamming. Is there anything else uh, paranormal, I guess, that has happened to you guys while you're there? Well, now, I know I got scratched <laughs> by a ghost. You! <laughs> I, I pulled a joke on it. I, I had her going really good. I had all of her co- uh, friends in, uh, in on it, um, where I had ran into the same metal sign twice, carrying stuff down. Um, no, but I do believe that I, I think... Uh, the one lady that first came in when we were there, uh, was her name Mary? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Sarah and Sarah. Right. Yeah. Who was this? Was Sarah the first one that came in? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, when I went back and I told the girls that I couldn't keep a straight face for long when I was telling you about the ghost <laughs> that scratched me, uh, they said that um, she was clean. They were in there cleaning and that she had got said she got punched in the face and her nose was bleeding. Yes, that was Sarah. Um, it was very strange. Um, she she hadn't been feeling quite right that day, and uh, we were really working hard, cleaning the bathrooms, getting everything ready for for the podcast. And uh, something happened; uh, just she just felt like a pop of air, and she looked up, and there was just blood gushing down her face. And she was like, "God, I got punched in the face," you know. And we would turn around, and just the worst nosebleed. And it took about five minutes before it really stopped gushing. And uh, it's the only time that we've ever been like, whoa, you know, I sent her home, made sure she was okay, this and that. Um, but it was, it's the only time that we've ever been kind of like, hey, something happened here. Um, but as far as, as far as anything malicious, no one's ever really had any crazy experiences aside from that pop of air that she felt. Um, we have had some weird experiences for sure. We, um, we have, we're all moving when I have, we have a warehouse that we do the majority of our bottling at because as you can imagine, trying to bottle in a jail is not easy. (laughs) Uh, We have to run hoses and things from, you know, cell doors and we have to wash bottles in an old shower and, you know, it's just not fun. So we do have a warehouse when, um, when I'm not distilling, we do the majority of the production work here, but when I am distilling, we have to move everything over to the jail and the team, um, bless their hearts. We had to do everything over at the jail for quite a while. And we were finishing up for the day. We're going around, turn off lights. And we were all standing in a hallway talking when a milk crate came sliding out of our chemical room. And uh, we all just kind of stopped and looked at it. And we're like, that's not where that goes. We put it back and <laughs> turn off the lights. We're like, all right, we're leaving. You know? <laughs> so we do talk to them. Um, 
but I think probably my all-time favorite thing that I just cannot figure out for life of me. Um, I sent my crew home. They were done for the day. I was just finishing up mopping. And I had just finished. We live in rain boots. We're just covered in corn and grain and mash and water of something all the time. And uh, so I was cleaning up the for the day. And I finished mopping that distillery. And I come upstairs and I realized I'd left a light on in the fermentation room. So I'm coming back down the stairs to flip that light off. And there are dried bare footprints all through the area that I just mopped. And I was more upset that they had taken their shoes off. <laughs> and I was like, that's a health hazard, you know? So I was like, don't do that down here. You know, so it was just, uh, it was that moment of I'm alone, what is going on? And uh, I did an entire walk through the building, making sure, no, because it's a huge building, you know, making sure somebody hadn't snuck in behind me. And I, I didn't think I was crazy. And at the end of the day, I just had no explanation. So it was a, it was really a surreal moment of, you know, I really am in a jail and uh, there's no other explanation of why or how this could have happened. It was really a cool moment for me, especially as someone who does love the paranormal. So it's really, yeah. Go ahead and uh, say the names of your crew again, because I want to make sure we recognize them too, because they were also hospitable to all of us. So if you want to go ahead and, and shout them out here, so they at least get some notoriety. <laughs> so uh, I have three crew members. I have a Shelly, I have Jackie, and I have Sarah. And uh, Jackie unfortunately couldn't make it that day. So Shelly's beautiful daughters, uh, Abby and uh, oh my goodness, they're just <laughs> Abby and she's gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> I the person you like, don't like, yeah, Abby and the other person I don't care about. Oh my gosh, Abby and Lily. Oh yeah, I know her so well too. She's gonna be so mad at me. Abby and Lily, yes, they they came and uh, helped us out. So yeah, so, they were yeah. all very, very, very hospitable, and and they all knew what yeah. they were talking about. So. Uh, we want to say thanks from from us. Yeah. Um, I told Kyle. Well, I don't even know if I told Kyle. I was telling somebody that you know, the tragedy sent me. Our podcast was actually the first live event there. Uh, yep. Then Middle Age Creeped Out, and then Hillbilly Horror Story. So we have the distinction of being yeah. the first <laughs> podcast <laughs> of the gel. So yeah, yeah. So I think that's pretty. They cool. don't even matter after that, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> also, you know, when you send me a Facebook friend request, uh, I guess you're into theater. Is this true? I am, as so a matter of fact. What parts have you played, and what parts are you trying out for anything new in the future? Uh, so I have done a few things. Um, I have just recently gotten back into theater. I used to do quite a bit uh, with Hendrick Civic Theater. Uh, I was in Nonsense as Sister Mary Leo. Um, I was in The Wizard of Oz as a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> Many hats. And then, uh, yeah, and then I'm with. Uh, Clinton County Civic Theater, and uh, we did a show last fall. It was a murder of scarecrows. It was a Halloween horror murder mystery. It was a blast. Um, and it was a Halloween party that took place in the late 90s. Um, it was a bunch of friends that uh, basically had to figure out what's happening in this creepy haunted house. And it, it's it's funny. It's dark. It's crazy. It's it's the worst thing if you ever get a chance to see it. It's very funny. Um, but just recently, literally just uh, about a month ago, I finished up Subwide Texas and <laughs> I played Caprice Crumpler and it had to be my favorite role that I've ever played anywhere. Um, I was a 70 year old woman <laughs> and she is nuts. Um, she is the town wild woman. She's a bar fly. She believes she's a movie star. And she um, basically was uh, trying out for a mattress commercial for a mattress store. And she tried out as Cleopatra and Dorothy and Marilyn Monroe and, it, it was just the most fun I've ever had being nuts on stage. So it was great. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a, a dream role that you would love to play? What is your ultimate uh, dream role? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I have a few, um, but I have to say probably my all time favorite is Sweeney Todd. 
I absolutely love Sweeney Todd and I love uh Mrs. Um oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank now because it's on top. Um her pie. So Mrs. Uh Miss oh, no. Miss <laughs> Look at her. We're putting her on the spot. She's nervous. It's okay. something. Abby sibling is Todd. We call this a Kyle moment. Yeah, exactly, Kyle exactly. forgets what it's terrible names too. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So no, I absolutely love her. Um, I just wish I could sing better. Yeah, <laughs> to be my problem. Right. <laughs> but uh, um, but no, I love a good theater show, and yeah, it's it's always fun. <laughs> right. So well, we want to yeah. thank you for coming on, and thank yes. you again for your hospitality. Um, I know that we have been talking that we might. be be doing something in the future yeah. um, we have to work out some kinks and stuff and some legalities if you will yeah. about maybe showing a movie uh, or two up there um, but we want to make sure we're doing it the right way and of make course. sure everybody gets yeah. credit and the dues that so, they deserve nothing to announce today but maybe in the future but yeah. they had me when they said they'll pull out the industrial popcorn maker and the cotton candy maker and I said I'm in yeah. I don't care if we do it yeah. we yeah. can sit here and squash we just hang out we there. can sit here and talk you got yeah. food <laughs> so yeah. absolutely the um, so, yeah. Well, Jackie, we thank you for coming yeah. on. Um, is there anything else you want to shout out or anything else? You got anything up um, there? Well, uh, we're currently working on some toasted bourbon, so the whole place smells great. Um, and uh, yeah, if you guys are ever interested in uh, checking us out, you can always find us on uh, booncojaildistillery.com. There's some fun pictures. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And uh, thank you guys so much for having us. It's been a blast. And yeah, we just absolutely loved having you guys for our first podcast ever. Thank that's you. right. That's right. <laughs> for, we were the first, but hopefully we're not the last. So, absolutely. Uh, we just want to do our part. Since we are a local podcast too in Indiana, we are about 30 minutes from me. I think it took me 30 minutes to get home, maybe an hour and 30 for Kyle. Two. Uh, yeah, no, you're not close enough. But, um, what we can do, you know, if um, I might get with the Stephen Emery, the uh, Connor Emery Epilepsy Foundation, maybe we can do something special for them there too. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get there and um, possibly we'll, 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 get, we'll start getting yeah. your name out there. Hopefully, uh, this takes off and, and does really well. And maybe we can beat the other guys across the street. Well, own Indiana, be great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll own Indiana. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. well, thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm going to edit this. I'll throw it into the uh, Jailhouse Rock episode. I'll release a little bit later, and I'll, I'll message you when it goes out so you can share it with everybody. Awesome. That sounds so great. Uh, that's awesome. Right. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, so Jack. Have a good one. Yes, Bye. You too. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back to the Tragedy Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo. And I'm Kyle. Kyle, we are fresh off of our live show at the Boone County Gel and Distillery. That's right. What an awesome, fun time we had. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the live show recap, and then we're going to dive into our movie for today. But Kyle, before we get started, um, <laughs> let me go ahead and throw the joke I threw at you at the live show. Okay, Jimbo. Since you weren't ready for it then, I'm sure you're not ready for it now. Never will be. But um, if those of you that were there, I threw this joke at Kyle. Usually I give him a rough time. Everybody knows that. But I said, Kyle, did you hear they built a KFC across the street from Graceland? And Kyle's like, what? No. <laughs> yeah. I said, can you believe that? Elvis has been dead for 45 years, and he still can't get away from the colonel. <laughs> boom, boom. Shh. But, um, yeah, we want to thank everybody that came out to the live show, spent some of your hard-earned money. Um, it, I think everybody had a great time. I had a fun time. Oh, I think we had a fun time, yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and give a little bit of thanks first. Let's thank the uh, Boone County Jail and Distillery in Lebanon, Indiana. Such a cool place. And Jackie and her squad. Uh, they really were great hosts, um, and they they took us on tours, gave us some inside information, uh, showed us the, like, the different stuff that they had recovered from the jail. They found, like, a... A shank that was in the plumbing when they were re re mm -hmm. renovating. Yeah, renovating. Thank you. I was getting go. there, Kyle. Yeah. I was reinventing. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, reinventing the shank. Yeah. Um, but she is fabulous. Her girls were fabulous. Um, and I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but I was helping uh, Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories carry out some of his stuff. And mm. as I was going out the door, there was this metal plate like sitting on top of this shelf or whatever. Yeah. And I hit it on my arm. Oh. And it scratched it. Yeah. I went back upstairs to grab something else it came back down and i hit it in the <laughs> the same arm oh. so if you look kyle you see that oh my gosh so i told i told uh i went over next door where she was uh jackie was given uh tours of the distillery and i told her i'd been scratched by a ghost and <laughs> she she thought i was joking at first and I, I i played it off pretty good for a while she's like nothing like that's ever happened so nobody's really got hurt <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was like, well, you go talk to your girls because I, I I had got the girls in on it uh, on the other side. I said, do you think I? I said, do you think I could pull it on? They're like, yeah, probably. Well, we'll see. We'll know. So so we we pulled a little joke on her, but I couldn't keep a straight face the entire time because she was really starting to freak out. So <laughs> that's great. Uh, she's a uh, thanks, Jackie, and, and your girls. Yeah, um, I really love you guys. Your girls are great. Another big have. thanks. Uh, we want to shout out uh, Jerry and Tracy Polly from Hillbilly Horror Stories. Uh, thanks for having us, inviting our podcast to be part of your live show again. It was wonderful. Um, you guys are two very special people to our podcast. So we love you guys. Um, and I even took them to the Mayberry Cafe along with Tiffany Boots and her uh, niece Paige. Um, they had never been to Mayberry Cafe. And it's an Andy Griffith themed restaurant here in Danville, Indiana. So if anybody's in the area and wants to go, um, I think Tracy loved it. She ended up buying some shirts and stuff. And they were playing Andy Griffith on the TV. So. Um, just really swell people. If you guys haven't listened to their podcast, uh, please go give them a listen. Um, Jerry said some really, and Tracy both said some really kind things about us this week on their episode. So um, make sure you go listen to them and subscribe and uh, leave them a review. And we don't want to leave out our uh, partners in crime. Yeah. Uh, Middle Aged and Creeped Out with Todd, Sean, and Nate. Um, they were there. Uh, brought some really awesome stories about haunted gels and history of gels there. Um, another job well done, fellas. Uh, I'm sorry, and the award-winning Nate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> award-winning he is Nate, the yeah. first ever Tragedy Award winner for a live show. Yeah. And speaking of that, I did give two more away this uh, time that even Kyle didn't know about. Uh, first one was I gave to uh, Tracy Polly uh, just for being the you know genuine, caring, loving person that she is. Um, she's had a rough year with Jerry and his health issues and then losing their dog Ninja. Um, I thought it would be fitting to honor her. And then also we honored a real-life hero, um, Sean from Middle Asian and Creeps Out, son Harrison Lehman. Um, he actually saved his dad's life by giving him CPR. Um, he was having some medical issues back in February, and uh, Harrison found him and performed CPR over the phone uh, and saved his dad's life until the paramedics got there. So we thought it was only uh, fitting that we honor a real-life hero. So Harrison, uh, you're a real hero, man. Uh, thank you for everything you've done. Um, also, um, we want to thank everybody that uh, donated to the uh, Stephen Emery uh, Foundation uh, for Connor, uh, Connor Emery Foundation. Um, I think uh, ADZ said that they got we got a little bit over seventy dollars. Yeah, a little bit uh, more. I got a head shave. Yeah, I said, I said if we yeah. would have got over a hundred, Kyle was going to have to shave his eyebrows, and he was worried because he was ready to let his hair go, and he was worried about his eyebrows. Yeah, the eyebrows. That's so funny. <laughs> getting the sweat in the eyes. Oh, it's, it's, you would have looked like Egghead. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have like Uncle head. Fester. Look, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we can cast you in the new uh, the upcoming. Yeah, no, no, the upcoming. Uh, What's our name? Wednesday's part two. Wednesday, oh, yeah, Wednesday's part two, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we're, we're looking at doing, uh, we talked to Jackie, and then we're looking about doing maybe some future podcast slash movie stuff up there at the Haunted Jail. It was really a perfect location, the history there. Um, nice little town, nice area. Um, so we want to thank everybody once again for coming out and enjoying us. So, Kyle, at the live show, we passed out a lot of movie posters and stuff like that. And we even passed out a life-size cardboard cutout of none other than the king. Than the king. Elvis Presley. (laughs) I was like, King Charles? No. (laughs) The new king. (laughs) No, Elvis Presley. So um, those of you that don't know, when you're on a live show, you you only get a certain amount of time because we wanted to make sure we had time for the other uh, podcasts and also the tours and everything that we were giving everybody. So... We are going to cover what we covered at the live show today, the Jailhouse Rock, but it's going to be longer than, if you were there, it's going to be longer than what you actually heard. Uh, we got some more stuff to say, so Kyle, yeah. take it away. All right, we're going to cover Jailhouse Rock, released on November 8th of 1957, um, directed by Richard Thorpe, written by Guy Trosper and Nedrick and Young for the story writers. Composed by Jeff Alexander, and of course, co-writer by you know, Elvis Presley, obviously. Cinematographer was Robert J. Broner, too. Moving forward to the quick little uh, uh, plot summarization of the film. Vince Everett, uh, the character played by Elvis Presley, is serving a one-year, a one-year jail sentence for manslaughter. While in the big house, his cellmate, a former country singer, introduces himself in the record business. Um, Everett takes it so well that he decides to become a singer, and when he gets his out, and when he gets out, however, he's quickly disillusioned by the record business. But with the help of a new friend, he decides to form his own label and soon becomes an overnight sensation. But when he becomes a superstar, will his desire of fame and fortune cause him to forget the people who got him there in the first place?
place. It's a quick little plot summary of Jailhouse Rock. Yeah, you can tell it kind of went to his head when he got out. Oh, yeah, yeah, clearly. Forgot everybody that made him, so. <laughs> his whole personality kind of shifted where, like, well, he, I, at the very beginning, he kind of seemed like a very selfish person in many respects, and, like, it's all about kind of overcoming that kind of disillusionment he has. Like, once you got everything, man, like, you realize you're still miserable, and then you realize, like, the people who he cares about and the one that matters. You know, simple story. Still good, though. Um, <laughs> where was I? Oh, moving on, some of the uh, uh, awards for the film right here. I'm going to cover the awards because I only got two. Um, for the national in 2004, it was added to the National Film Preservation Board. That's kind of an honor in itself and a reward in itself, though we count it there. So, in National 2004, it's now being recorded for posterity, anyways. And then in 1991, it had the um, the ASCAP Film and Television Awards for the most performed feature film standards uh, for the song Jailhouse Rock, written by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, and of course performed by the legendary King himself, Elvis Presley. Charles. <laughs> Charles. Charles. And Jack. <laughs> L, you know, just I just call him E. <laughs> um, uh, some technical details of the film. This film has a sound mix of mono audio, so just one track going on there, from one channel of audio going back and forth. This is a black and white film. Um, aspect ratio is 2.35 by 1, and the process was the Superscope 235 process for the um, adaptation of the film onto um, film adaptation there. It, yeah. <laughs> Can I say film finger times? Um, filming dates started from May 13th, 1957 to June 17th, 1957, and then released later that year, November 8th. So pretty impressive to turn around on that film. It still always amazes me how fast they could turn around a movie back in those days. Yeah. Um, the film only had two filming locations. Um, one was the Metro Goldwyn Meyer Studios up in Washington Boulevard of Culver City, California. And then the recording studio was the RCA Victor Studios up in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California, where they recorded all the um, the live musical performances they did for the, the show, for the movie itself, not the live musical performance. The, <laughs> the musical interludes, basically, and those scenes that were basically musical. Oh man, let's see. I don't have the track list on here. Where did I put the track list at? Oh, I may have missed it. That's okay. We'll get to it later. Da, 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 da. Moving on here, we have the cast of the film. We, of course, have the legendary Elvis Presley, the king himself, playing the character of Vince Everett. This was Elvis Presley's third film in his um, series of films he did. Um, some other films and notable highlights were um, Girls, Girls, Girls in 1962 and Blue Hawaii in 1961. You know, Elvis Presley films are just kind of, they have a you know, romantic quality about them. I just love that. You know? <laughs> they're yeah. awesome. They're, Elvis Presley films are cool. <laughs> Next up, we have Judy Tyler playing the character of Peggy Van Alden. Um, Peggy Van, uh, I'm sorry, Judy Tyler was also in the Howdy Doody show in 1947. And she was also in the film Bop Girls Go to Goes to Calypso in 1957. Bop and Girls Go to Calypso. Bop Girls Goes Goes Calypso. Sorry, Bop Girl Bop Girl Goes Calypso. There we go. In 1957, that's the only other film she was ever in. Next up, we have Mickey Shawnessy playing the character of Hunk Houghton. Um, Mickey, uh, Mickey Shawnessy um, was also in the films The Sheep Man in 1958 and From Here to Eternity in 1953. Next up, we have Vaughn Taylor playing the character of Mr. Shores. Vaughn Taylor was also in the films Psycho in 1960 and The Long Ride Home in 2003. Next up, we have Jennifer Holden playing the character of Sherry Wilson. Jennifer Holden was also in the films Gang War in 1953 and Buchanan Rides Alone in 1958. Next up, we have Dean Jones playing the character of Teddy Talbot. Dean Jones was also in the films That Darn Cat in 1965. Never heard of it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Good title, but I've never heard of it. It's a good movie. And he was also in The Love Bug in 1968. Do you ever seen that one? No. Herbie The Love Bug? No, no, I'm not. Dean Jones doesn't exist to me. <laughs> wow. Guys, I don't only, even know maybe, this guy anymore. Maybe this is only Herbie Dean the Jones, Love Bug. Maybe this is the only Dean Jones we've ever seen. I don't know. No, no. I have doubts. Um, you don't know Herbie the Love Bug? I know, her, I know who Herbie is. I know that, I know. I watched that one with, uh, was it Lindsay Lohan? No, no, stop. That doesn't count, Kyle. <laughs> exactly counts. It's my age group. It's my generation. It's my culture. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Next up, we have Anna Nayland playing the character of Lori Jackson. Excuse me there. Anna was also in the film Motorcycle Gang in 1957. And that and the film Hidden Fear in the same year of 1957. And that covers some of the uh, technical details of the film. Now, Kyle, before you go any further, mm-hmm. 
for the live show, ADZ had put together um, these awesome biographies for the three main actors exactly. of this movie, and, and I, you failed him miserably. I, I failed him miserably. I I owe I owe E a huge apology because I just I just completely disregarded it because I got nervous on stage and I'm so ashamed. Yeah, but I was like, I now, I said, now you need to make sure you make it up to him and read these full I word need, for word. I need to redeem myself and go through this list here, and you're absolutely right. Okay, so we'll go through some of the mini bios. Easy, uh, E has created for us. Not easy. Not, e. not easy. Easy. <laughs> if Easy made these notes, I'd be a lot more interested. <laughs> no offense to Eight Easy. Eight Easy, you're great, but I mean, or Easy is also great. <laughs> Where, what, what am I doing here again? It's just a podcast. All oh, right, podcast. All right. Um, these mini bios that Eight Easy created for us, and I disregarded for the live show, but I now include. I will now rec- include here on our recorded regular podcast showing. So for the mini bio, it starts with Judy Player, Judy Tyler, playing the character of Peggy Van Alden. Um, Judy Tyler's original birth name was Judith May. Judy Tyler was born on October 9th in 1932 in Manhattan, New York, and unfortunately passed away on July 3rd, 1957 in Rock River, Wyoming, due to a road accident. Very sad, very young. Um, only uh, 20, uh, 22, I believe. Or not, not 22. What's 32 to 57? That's a good question there. It's 20, 25. So it's, no, yeah, it's 25. So 25 years old. Um, or right around there. Oh, that's 24 years old. <laughs> the time she died. There we go. See, I got it right. I got it right. And some movie came out that year, so she was probably 23 at the time of filming in this film. Uh, I her, know, because she just died three days after this, so... And she never got to see the Oh, because they filmed the film the same year, so yeah, she was 24 during the time of the filming, too. So, yep, so twenty, just 24 years old. That is incredibly sad and way too young to pass away. Um... Her father, um, her father, Judy Taylor's father, was a was a trumpeter with the bands such as Paul Newman and Benny Goodman, and her mother was a former Zyfield Foley's dancer. Judy studied ballet, music, and acting, and won a Miss Stardust beauty contest in 1949, and danced with the um, Copacabana Chorus Line, and was making a bit appearances on television while she was still in high school. At age 17, she landed the part of Princess Summerfall Winter Spring on the on the Howdy Doody show in 1947's television show. Um, and the Howdy Doody show in 1947. There we go, sorry. Um, you know, where she stayed for two years before resigning. She returned to stage work and was rediscovered in a play in 1996 um, called Pipe Dream, which landed her the cover of Life magazine, where she and then she made two films, last of which was, was Elvis Presley co-star in the film Shell House Rock. Um, so, hi, sir. She won the National Beauty Style Contest in 1943, Miss Stardust. Um, in 1950-, um, 17-year-old Judy Tyler of Teaneck, New Jersey, was featured in a nationwide syndicated Sunday column offering tips on teen beauty and fashion. She studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, Ty- uh, Judy Tyler also cast as, as a, was as a, cast as a Native American princess for that film in the uh, Hattie Doody show. So that was... <laughs> Interesting choice there for the time. Um, it is said that Elvis Presley became infatuated with Judy Tyler while filming Jailhouse Rock, and that she, he was so upset by her death that he could not bear to watch a film. Supposedly, Elvis asked his buddy George Klein to drive around with him the day after her death. Elvis drove around town for hours trying to cope with her loss. George said that Elvis could t- um, Elvis could talk about how good of a person Judy was, and how he couldn't believe she was actually gone. That's that, that incredibly sad, and I agree. Uh, Miss Tyler was killed instantly on Highway 30 near Wilcox, Wyoming, when her husband of only four months, and also an actor, Gregory Lafayette, um, swerved in the oncoming traffic in order to avoid hitting a car towing a trailer that pulled in front of them onto the highway. The Lafayette car was hit broadside by another car driven by Paul L. Reed. Um, Tyler's husband died the next day at the hospital, and Donald J. Jones, 23, a passenger in the Reed automobile, also died. Um, so that's really sad there. Um... The brown-haired, uh, brown-eyed, raven-haired actress on timely death at the age of 24 prompted a singer-actor, Kenny Baker, to record a tribute song of her memory titled Goodbye, Little Star. Due to her premature death, she never had the opportunity to see her performances in either of her two feature films. So that is incredibly sad there. Yeah, the other one being Bop Girl Goes Calypso in 1987. So it's going to be sad there. Next up for the secondary um, mini-bio, we have Mickey Sean Essie playing the character of Huck Houghton. Um, Mickey was born on August 5th of 1920 in New York City, New York, and died July 23rd in 1985 in Cape May Courthouse in New Jersey, of, uh, fortunately of lung cancer. Um, his birth name was Joseph Michael Shaughnessy, and uh, his height, he had a height of 5'10". 
Joseph Sean Essie was born in New York City. He began to show his business working as a singer at resorts and became a comedian when he saw that his pay was better. He was also a Golden Gloves boxer. Hmm. He served in World War II and appeared in the U.S. Army Review called um, Stars and Gripes. After the war, a Columbia Pictures producer saw him performing the stage and offered him a screen test. His screen debut was the 1952 film The, Mary, the Marrying Kind. Mickey was born in 1920 in New York City. He got to in show business when he was a teenager, as, believe it or not, a singer. He found a lot of work at the popular Catskill Mountains Resort Hotels in upstate New York. When he realized he could make more money as a comedian, which he had a natural ability for, he quickly changed his act. Then World War II came along and he was drafted into the Army. His big stature and booming voice helped him earn the rank of sergeant. Um, stripes and he was uh, put to work as a drill instructor. He also coached a regimental boxing team. In 1953, he was cast in one of the greatest Hollywood classes of all time, From Here to Eternity. Mickey appeared as Corporal Leva and worked as alongside such legends as Burt Lancaster, Frank Sinatra, Montgomery Clift, and Ernest um, Borgnine. This role opened the door for opened the door for wide for Mickey after he has appeared in about two movies a year until his early 1970s. Moving on to the next page here, ruffling papers for you ASMR listeners. One of Mickey's prime possession was a diamond and gold cuff link and tie bar set given to him by Elvis for being his co-star in this film. He said even years after the movie was made, Elvis still called him Hunk, his character's name. Mickey unfortunately developed lung cancer in his mid-80s and passed away on July 29th in 1985 at the young age of 64. He had made one last movie in 1987, a sci-fi thriller called Primal Scream, but unfortunately it was not released until after his death. And then lastly for the mini uh, the mini bio of the most miniature bio is actually Elvis Presley playing the role of Vince Everett. Elvis Presley was born on January 8th of 1935 in Lovey, Mississippi in the USA, and he passed away on August 16th, 1977 in Memphis, Tennessee of cardiac arrhythmia. Um, his birth name was Elvis Aaron Presley. His nickname was Elvis Presley, the King and the King of Rock and Roll. He had a height of 5'11". And there's no trivia needed on this part because his work speaks for itself. Thank uh, you, ADZ. There you go, ADZ. And Kyle Burchard his way through that quite nicely. As uh, I always do, Jimbo. Right. So, um, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a little bit about this movie. Um it has some awesome songs in it. Um, obviously, Jailhouse Rock that everybody knows, but probably a little lesser known one is the uh, You're So Young and Beautiful um, that he sings in the jail. Um, I thought that was really, really well done. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about a little bit about the trivia of this movie. Um, as Kyle had stated from ADZ's notes, that Elvis refused to watch this movie because of Judy Tyler's tragic accidental death in a car wreck of July, on July 3rd, 1957, just three days after filming was completed, and she never got to watch either of her movies. That right there is sad. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, you know, yeah, your two roles, you didn't get to see any of them. Yeah, it truly had such a promising career and uh, could have gone a lot of really cool places if she actually, you know, did did live to see those films. And the success of those films, I'm sure, would open more doors for her in the future. So it is unfortunate she passed away so young in life. Right. Mm. Um, the Swank apartment for Elvis uh, was a slightly redressed set previously used as Lauren Bacall's and Designing Woman. Uh, <laughs> And I think this is one of the most interesting pieces of trivia from Jailhouse Rock. Uh, one day while filming a scene, Elvis Presley swallowed a tooth cap. He had to be hospitalized for a few days in order to remove it and recuperate. <laughs> I mean, did they have to go in and cut him open? Or did he have to pass it? I'm Surely you didn't have to, have to pass it. I mean, like, you know, like, a tooth cap sounds so small. I'm surprised that it even, like, gets stuck in later like that, like... Like it's like if you want to be sold a marble, that'd be like the perfect thing to get kind of get stuck in your throat. But like a tooth cap, how does it? How big was the tooth cap? I wonder. But then again, it was, Elvis Presley had massive teeth. But then again, it was back in the day, so maybe the technology hadn't caught up yet, and they had to go in and get it. I don't know. I mean, you think like like Elvis Presley would be the last person to consent to having someone like cut up in his throat. <laughs> well, unless it was a stomach or something. But I still, don't, I've never heard of any right. surgery that he had, so I don't. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kyle, that's your job. Wait till Elvis has a bowel movement and dig through there and find his tooth cap. <laughs> no one knows. There could be a long time. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> boom. Oh, gosh. Uh, wow, Kyle. That's terrible. Uh, in the 2004 <laughs> listing of the American Film Institute 100 Years 100 Song, Jailhouse Rock was voted number 21. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, legendary actor Gene Kelly was watching as Elvis Presley performed the Jailhouse Rock set piece for this film. Uh, so, I mean, to see Gene Kelly sitting there watching, that's just uh, two legends. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the original choreographer Alex Romero created a dance for the song Jailhouse Rock. That was in a style more uh, proposed for a classically trained dancer than Elvis Presley. When Romero realized that his plans for the number were never going to work, he asked Presley how would he normally move to the song, leading Elvis to become the uncredited choreographer for what many consider the most famous dance number in all of his movies. That's just one of the things, like, you're talking to Elvis Presley, and he's just so immensely talented that, like, even on the spot, he can probably do something that would, like, blow you away. Right. So that shows, you know, being a choreographer, you know, <laughs> good for him. Yep. Uh, Elvis Presley's band in this film is his real-life band, including Scotty Moore on the electric guitar and Bill Black on stand-up bass. Both had been with Presley since his beginning in Memphis at Sun Records, owned by Sam Phillips. In the recording studios uh, scenes, the piano player is Mike Stoller of the Lieber, Jerry Lieber and the Stoller songwriting team, which wrote many of the major hits rock songs of the 1950s. Uh, also, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stiller wrote four songs, Jailhouse Rock, I Want to Be Free, Treat Me Nice, and You're So Square, in five hours after their music publisher, under deadline, locked them in their hotel room. <laughs> That's it, Kyle. Oh, I'm going yeah. to lock you here in the studios. Uh, Force you to until, make the box, best podcast ever. Right. Until I can pronounce everything clearly. <laughs> now they're going to say, well, well, you'll die, die in this old room. Age. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we already said about Judy dying, uh, the name of the record company Laurel is an anagram of Allure. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, in December 2004, 27 years after Elvis Presley's and 47 years after Judy Tyler's deaths, and also 47 years after this film's release, this movie was inducted into the Library of Congress National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Hmm. Surprised it took so long to get the kind of like that kind of recognition and that kind of reward because I feel like this film could have like I, I would have you know like one of the first films you put in the preservation board award to actually be you know reserved for posterity's sakes you know but also I don't know when that actually that organization started. Well, for, let me ask you a question: What movie do you think was the quickest to go to the National Library Congress? Um, I mean, as far as turnaround, not the first one to go in, but I mean time wise. Is there a certain amount of time, like, you know, to go into a Hall of Fame you have oh, to Oh, yeah, be- how many years before you, like, have to be into their thing? Um, like, I would say, like, if, if I had to guess, what I could have no idea what the first film would have been. But for, my guess would be Citizen Kane would be the first one we put in there, for sure. Or Gone with the Wind. I'm sure one of those two. One of those two, like, you know, like, most important, the, like, in terms of, like, one of the most important films of film history, like Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind, something like that, uh, could go in there. Um, but Where's in general, Ross, um, I don't think there should be any timeline. Like a movie has to be this old before they realize it has to go in the film preservation awards. Um, it's just a matter of trying to see your cultural relevance and how much of an impact it makes um, early on. You know. Uh, so you're saying Pee Wee's Playhouse or Pee Wee's Big Adventure should have went straight in right after left it. Should have been there. Exactly. The day after they knew the world changed. <laughs> oh man, uh, this film is the first featuring Elvis Presley to be inducted into the Lochnefer Library of Congress National Film Registry which I'm sure he may have some other ones in there. I'll have to look that up. Uh, the pool scene, the location where Vince sings You're So Square near the end of the film, is also used in Spin Out, another Elvis Presley movie. Uh, this prison show scene was an exemplar of, for Johnny Cash's legendary performances at Folsom Prison and San Quentin. Uh, Vince saying that Peggy looks sexy was extremely daring at that time, and the dialogue that followed is extremely suggestive. <laughs> Uh, Teddy, on the other hand, says she looks scrumptious, just as sexual, but tamer. <laughs> uh, you know, and now I watch it, it's like, this is incredibly tame. Nothing ever happens here at all. It's great. <laughs> if anything, the, the, the more risque part was like how like the woman that came out back to him in the bar was the most like just forward moment of like, what are you doing tonight, huh? I get off of four. <laughs> that was the most like, like dang, she... <laughs> According to a 1987 interview in Los Angeles Time, <laughs> Jennifer Holden credits Elvis Presley with saving her life. After the filming of the cabana scene, Holden went to her trailer. As Elvis walked by, he noticed that the trailer was on fire and the, the door was blocked. When he yelled for help, several crew members rushed over and got her out of the burning trailer. I wonder if he broke into a song like Hunka Hunka Burnin' Love or something exactly. as he's... The whole, the whole time everything's happening right there. Time. He's singing. And then Judy's like, he saved me with his music. <laughs> <laughs> My hero. I love Elvis, man. Uh, during the recording session for Treat Me Nice, there is an unidentified man standing next to Peggy Van Alden clapping his hands to the beat. And no reference is made to him during the scene. So, <laughs> no clue. Weird. 
And last but not least, which is another very interesting fact, Elvis Presley was willing to comply with regulations for his penitentiary haircut, stating that, personally, I don't care if they cut my hair. I don't think it makes much difference. This was the intended course of action until MGM received numerous letters from fans worldwide pleading for the preservation of Elvis Presley's signature locks within the same week that the aforementioned quote was published. Consequently, a wig was utilized in the final film. That's funny. That yeah. is funny. So, simultaneously, it's like, like I want to actually see Elvis perspective. It's like you know, when, like when you're a ten out of, when you're a ten out of ten kind of man in terms of like attractiveness level, you know, you can lose one aspect and you're still incredibly attractive. I was gonna say they shave his the head fans, and he's still gonna have all those fans. Too. Exactly. He's, yeah, yeah. You shave his head and he's still an incredibly attractive young man. It's not. You can stop that. So, so you know. Kyle, what's your thoughts on Jailhouse Rock? I think Jailhouse Rock is a good, entertaining time, and I think it's pretty cool that I think like this is what Elvis Presley wanted his wanted people to think of his early career too. You know, and he's been like this is like like he wants to see this as his own biography. Like he wants people to see Elvis Presley as the same character he's playing in Jailhouse Rock in many respects. I think, and I think that's pretty cool to see. And obviously, isn't reflective of all the kind of like struggles he had later in his life, especially with like you know drug addiction and those kind of problems as well. But it's pretty cool to see um, you know what he wanted to be seen as in this film. I feel like um, more so than any of his other films. I haven't watched all his films, but I watched a few of them, um, like uh, Girls, 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 and the other one too. The, 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 was it GI Blues? Yeah, Blue so. Boy. Blue Boy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've seen those films as well, where it's like he's still trying to be you know just a, a leading man kind of fellow. But this is the one where I feel like he's trying to be Elvis Presley in a movie specifically, and I find that really interesting and really cool. And that's what makes this film stand out more so than all of his others, in my opinion. So I really appreciate it on that level. Um, in terms of like generalized entertainment, like if somehow you watch Jailhouse Rock and don't know who Elvis Presley is, maybe it's like a five out of ten movie for you because it's like it's fine, but nothing for you. But then when you add on the legacy of Elvis Presley history as you know the king of rock and roll and those kind of things, I think that really elevates this movie to a, like a really strong seven out of ten, possibly even eight out of ten level for me. Of like you know it's kind of like it's it's a moment in history of a, of a man's entire you know career and musical legacy that goes you know to the stratosphere basically for his era. So I really appreciate that on that level and find it interesting on that level. So for me, this film for me is probably a, like a strong seven out of ten for me. Where I find it entertaining, I could watch it any time and feel completely unconcerned with it. I wouldn't be bored by it, but also not like so entertained by it. I have to like focus on it. For me, I could watch this almost like a radio show in many respects of how entertaining it is, and I think that's compliment to its quality overall. Um, so that's kind of summarizes my own feeling. Like this is a really good movie, and I think it's really cool to see Elvis in his younger days and how that reflects on his entire life and career. So that's pretty cool for me. Jimbo, um, how do you feel about Jailhouse Rock? Well, first of all, I love Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. um, I think I still have the original newspaper clippings around here that my grandpa left me uh, of when Elvis died. Um, you know, I've been to the Elvis museums. Um, might be going this fall to Graceland for a tour and maybe setting up some interviews with some of the people there. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, this this is one of Elvis's better movies. I mean, I like all of his movies. They're all campy. They're all musicals. You know, he sings in all of them. Uh, but I really, I really do like this movie. Um, I think it has a it has more than just uh, Elvis love story. I think it has, um, you know, don't forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. uh, don't let don't let uh, popularity go to your head. Um, don't forget who made you to get you to where you are too uh because yeah. was named huck houghton um he he basically helped elvis you know uh in jail you know he, he helped watch out for him because he could have had the fish face haircut or fishbowl whatever they yeah. said and uh you know he's like oh well it's just three packs of cigarettes or whatever and yeah um i'm sorry but uh, you know, yeah on a deeper level yeah it's too it's about like you know like don't waste your life seeking just material possessions. Like, he, like even there early on in the film, he's all about trying to become that big movie star so he can get money, and that's all that matters to him. And then when he gets that money, he realizes that he's still a miserable person at the end of the day because he doesn't have the lady that he loved. Yeah, because he, well, he doesn't have any. Well, he doesn't love anybody, and no one loves him. Even though you know he does have people that love him, but he doesn't. He's too selfish to realize that. You know, right. he's too self centered to realize that. So it's un, it's not until he has everything that he realizes that he, he has, has nothing, nothing without. Right. The love of his um, family and his and his and his, and his girl, so that's where he's gonna. So it's a lovely story on that level too. So for me, um, this being one of being an Elvis fan and being one of Elvis's better movie, I'm gonna have to say it's an eight, maybe an eight five. Um, there's some songs in it, but it's not overbearing like some of his movies where there's a ton of singing and no really plot. Uh, this has a good plot, has good music, uh, shot well done. Um, yeah, eight out of ten. So. Uh, there you have it. That's Jailhouse Rock. 
Um, if you want to follow us on the social medias, we are the Tragedy of Cinema at gmail.com. Or, well, that's our email. Mm. Uh, Tragedy of Cinema on Facebook, TikTok, all the good tweet, uh, Twitter. All the social media platforms. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, we haven't been doing this, so I think we should start going back to tell people what movie we are going to cover the next week so they can watch it, Kyle, and be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so next week we are going to dive into probably, uh, I know it's in the top 100 movies of all time, and it's a movie that I had never watched before uh, until this <laughs> early oh, this I didn't morning. Know that about you, cool, right? So yeah. um, we will be doing f- uh, Un- Unforgiven, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, famous western. And those of you that know me know I'm not a western kind of guy, but this is a pretty good western. So you'll have to stay tuned and listen next week for Unforgiven. So yeah, Kyle. Well, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut. <laughs>